0: Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we share a 2019 interview with the founder of the Bear 100 Ultramarathon, Elon Barker. Prior to the interview, we share a story that ran after the 2020 Bear 100 race from UPR's Linnea Leonard. A link to her article can be found in the show notes.
1: The Bear 100 is a 100-mile foot race that begins in Logan and ends at Bear Lake. As with any endurance sport, it's important to make sure race participants are kept safe, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: You don't want to be the person that, that lets things slip and and someone that ends up getting sick from participating.
1: Chase Anderson oversaw Aid Station 11 with his friend Tyler Reed.
0: You know, you always have to do the face mask. You know, take precautions that way. We're sanitizing a lot more and just being cognizant of, of everyone around us. So yeah, there were things that were were definitely different
2: because of COVID.
1: And while those elements of the race were different than past years, some of the biggest challenges that faced the aid station weren't related to the coronavirus at all.
2: One second, I
0: have one guy that's very hypothermic, and we ended up having to send him off in a razor down to another site that had someone to be able to take care of him. You have that going on, and then, you know, a couple hours later, you have a guy coming up, running, shirtless, feeling good.
1: Despite some of the difficulties, Anderson says the event was positive overall.
0: Seeing these people come through, you know, they're all in kind of a different situation, but to be a small part of helping them finish or at least get through your station, right, that's something that, that stands out to me and is the reason that I want to keep coming back. I love the bear. I love to go and help them do the bear. something that I go to every year. There's something about going through all that, working together, and there's definitely a, a
1: bonding that happens with there. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Linnea Leonard.
0: And now my 2019 interview with Leland Barker. Hey, welcome back everyone. This is Chase Anderson. And uh, today I've I've got Leland Barker with me today, the race director and and founder of the Bear 100 Ultra Marathon that's based here in in Logan, Utah of all places. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for taking some time. I had the unique opportunity to participate, not race. Um, I could never run um, what these people are running, um, but was able to help out an aid and uh, at an aid station at mile 92 of this race, and was there in the mud and rain, hail, snow, and lightning at the end of the race. And it is an, an incredible event that I think a lot of people might not even realize is right in our backyard here. Um, why did you start something like this 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 100-mile race in the in the um in the mountains here?
2: Well, um in 1996 I ran the Wasatch 100-mile endurance run and I had such an incredible experience doing that and and running well and finishing fourth overall. I was really excited about 100-mile races after my first attempt at it and then i heard that there was a limit on how many runners could run in the wasatch 100 so i thought to myself well it's time to start a new race then <laughs> and so i just figured out a course in the mountains or around here I, my original idea was to go from logan to bear lake and call it the bear 100. Um, it ended up in idaho for the first eight years because of have a permit process that didn't quite work out in Utah. Um so the race was in Idaho. It was a it started and finished at Deer Cliff Inn and it went up and headed south and did a loop and then back to the north and did another loop and then finished at Deer Cliff Inn. Um we did that course for for about 8 years until we finally got the permit thing worked out so that we could do my original idea of finishing in Logan and ending at Bear Lake. Right, so it starts, where does it start?
0: It kind of the mouth of Dry Canyon? Is, yeah. that, is that about where Go, it starts? It goes up Logan Dry Canyon. It starts at Mount Logan Gibbons Park. And then ends in Fish Haven yeah. at Bear Lake. <clears throat> and that ends up being 100 miles. A little over 100 miles?
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty close to 100 miles, but sometimes runners do a little extra mileage <laughs> getting off course. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one wants to do a little extra, especially after already doing a hundred but um, what what is the what does the race look like at elevation gain where does it take them through the mountains what does that look like now
2: well it's around twenty one thousand feet of climb and about a little over twenty thousand feet of descent because it finishes a little higher elevation than it starts and um, there's there's a big climb going up towards Logan peak and then you take the south the south syncline trail around to the first aid station 10 miles in and then you drop down latham hollow to left hand fork and then you climb back up again going up richards hollow and then you go down again to cowley down to temple fork and then you climb again then you drop down to temple fork and then there's a pretty big climb up to uh, tony grove lake that's about the halfway point, a little over halfway when you're at Tony Grove. And then after that, <clears throat> the climbs aren't quite as big, but you've already <laughs> been beaten up pretty good by the climbs you've already done. So it's it's a pretty good challenge to finish from there. A lot of runners drop out at Beaver Mountain because you know, you've still had another tough climb coming out of the Franklin Trailhead Aid Station and then drop down to Logan River and then you climb back up again and drop down to Beaver Mountain and and it's a kind of a tricky trail coming down through there and I remember last year when I dropped out I was having trouble staying on my feet because <laughs> I was hurting so
0: bad. <laughs> what What's happening to the people's bodies like during this race I, like I saw people at mile 92 and people are just their bodies are giving up at that what does that feel like for you you've run the race seven times um what is that what's your body going through while you're running something there's like this there's
2: all kinds of things that can go wrong you can have electrolyte problems where um you, you just your body's almost shutting down just won't won't work anymore it just won't do what you normally do you just can't keep running because you just feel awful Um, Sometimes it's just maybe you haven't prepared as well as you should have. Like last year for me, I hadn't trained that well, so my legs were just hurting really bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I don't know if I can do another 25 miles, so I dropped out because of that. Um, There's a lot of different reasons why people drop out. Mostly it's just fatigue, uh, Meant. Mental fatigue, physical fatigue, uh, all of the above combined together to make it just look like an impossibility that you can even go on. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and we saw that at mile ninety-two. We saw people coming in, a few people in tears, just saying, "I just want to be done." What? Why do people do this? I, like I, that, that was my question. There's so many people who came through. Um, quite a few who didn't even seem winded, and then other people coming through um, just wanting to be done. What is it about something like this that, that people like doing? Like, and you've done it. What, what does that feel like to accomplish it? And why do you think people keep coming back to do these types of races?
2: Well, when you do make it to the finish, it's such a big thrill because you've done something that is extraordinary and, and very hard to achieve. So the thrill of, of completing 100 is is just amazing. I remember when I finished my first 100. After all the trials I went through to finish that, um, I, I had I had problems. Uh, I got so sleepy towards the end of my first 100. I I was falling asleep running at one point. I, I was like nodding off, and I go, "Oh my gosh, I'm falling asleep running." Wow. <laughs> and and uh, um so when i finished my first 100 and and, it was, and when i ran it as well as i did it was just a totally exhilarating experience and you want to feel that again yeah. <laughs> even though you know the next time you're going to have troubles there, there there's a at some point along the way something's going to happen that's going to make you want to quit uh, um and if you can find a way to push through that um and then actually finish it just makes the, the experience that much better that's what's
0: most impressive i feel like is everyone knows that they're going to feel that way but they do it anyways because the high is so much higher than the low yeah. i don't know yeah. i haven't, yeah, I haven't you, done it but that's what i've heard
2: yeah you kind of forget about all the trials you went through to get there once you get there
0: wow um so how many people participate like what what does participation look like um, you mentioned quite a few people drop out as as the race goes on, but how many people start the race at
2: least? We try to keep the Bear 100 at around 300 runners. So we have a 350 sign-up limit because we know there's going to be some people that don't show up uh, last minute. Things happen. So this last year we had a 311 start and there were about 204 that finished. Wow. That's, that's a
0: lot that, that end up dropping off. Where do they typically start dropping off during the race?
2: Oh, they can start dropping as about as early as mile 28 (coughs) Cali Canyon, but not very many, a few might drop at mile 37, a few more at mile 44. And then from 50 to 75 is where you'll see most of them drop. If they can make it past Beaver mountain, they have a good chance of finishing. Wow. Uh, what, what's
0: unique about this race compared to other ultra marathons around? Uh, Did you strategically design the course in a way that it would kind of be a unique experience for people?
2: Well, uh, the main reason I picked that time of year is because it's a slow time for me on the fish farm. Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be a perfect time of year for the fall colors. Mm. That's a big draw for this race. It's just gorgeous up there in at the end of September and it's a tough course which people like a good challenge and it's a point to point people like point to point courses for some reason Um, that's very popular and it's very crew friendly um, because a lot of the aid stations are right off the you know Logan, you drive up Logan Canyon and you can hit most of the aid stations fairly easily.
0: Yeah, and the crew being the <clears throat> those that are joining the runners or someone who's pacing or yeah. Family and friends that are helping them, at yeah. you know, coming in at eight aid, aid stations, right?
2: Yeah, and one one more unique, really unique thing about it is it starts in one state and finishes in another state. Starts in Utah, finishes in Idaho. That's quite unique.
0: Yeah. What what's the landscape of ultramarathons look like if you've done them? for a while and and did your first in 96 or 97, um, the Wasatch, how have they changed over time? I mean, you've been running this one every year, ever since, um, do they look different than they did before? Are they more popular? Um, what's, what's that look like?
2: When I started doing hundred mile races, there were maybe 15 or 20 hundred mile races in the country. And they weren't that popular yet, but about <clears throat> 10 years ago there was a big surge in popularity in 100 mile races and they started popping up all over the place. If you look at Stan Jensen's site called run100s.com, he has a list of all the 100 mile races in North America um, and it's staggering to see how many there are now. I, I, the list is so long, I didn't even take time to count it. it it's, there's well over 100 races now in Northern America, North America. Wow. How, how do people find
0: your race? Is, that, is it a lot of people who have done it before? I imagine there's a lot of word of mouth. People who have done it before tell other people. How do people find out about the Bear 100? And what is what do they walk away saying after they complete it?
2: Um, It's mostly word of mouth. In the early years, we advertised in Ultra Running running Magazine and the race grew slowly. First year, we had 17 runners. Next year, we had 20. Then we had about 40 and about 50, then about 60. And it was just a gradual increase for about the first 10 or 12 years. And then all of a sudden, about eight years ago, it went from like 150 to 250 in <laughs> one, one year. Jump. <laughs> big took a big jump, and uh, it's mostly word of mouth because people come and they run the course, and they're so excited about it, about it, they tell their friends, "Oh, you got to do the bear," <laughs> and it's so popular that uh, we, after our, the race fills, it fills every year. We have 350 signups, and then by January, February, March, there's another 150 to 200 runners that are on the waiting list to get in. It's really? become so popular. Wow, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> that's good to hear that after they finish, they they tell other people to come and do it, right? That's yeah. the last thing you probably want as a race director is people walking away saying, don't do that one. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, but the conditions, I, I imagine, make it a really interesting race as well. You you planned it around the great fall colors and we saw some while we were up there, but we also saw snow, lightning, (laughs) um, hail. Um, I imagine scheduling it around that time. There's a little bit of unpredictability with, with the weather. And I know you have some stories around, um, you know, some of the weather issues that you've run into. Does that make it an especially unique race for the runners? Do they kind of embrace that challenge of, I don't know what the bear's going to look like this year.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very unpredictable. It could be hot one day and it could be snowing the next. You never know what's going to happen. So that that's part of the excitement is <laughs> what's going to happen at the bear this year. Is it going to be a nice day or are we going to get snowed on? <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: You're, are you, are you going to get all of it? Yeah. Right.
2: All of the above. Yeah. Um.
0: <clears throat> so how long are, are, people running, what's your fastest time? What, you know, who's who set the record for fastest time at the race?
2: Uh, my fastest, I think, was around 21 hours, a okay. little over 21 hours. The course record is 1750. Wow. That's pretty darn fast. Yeah.
0: And when are people starting the race? So you start on a Friday, is Fri- it early morning Friday on a Friday? 6 a.m. And then a lot of people, the fastest are ending middle of the night the the next day.
2: Yeah, right around midnight or one in the morning is when usually when the first runner comes in. How how does that, I mean,
0: you've been at the, the, the finish there. Um, it's probably a different finish for a lot of people coming in in the middle of the night and maybe there's not a big crowd there at midnight or one o'clock <laughs> <Right>. in, <laughs> at Bear Lake. What is that like for some of the runners after running a hundred miles to see very few people at the finish?
2: Well, they're excited that they did it and ran so well, for sure. And they don't care that there's not a big crowd. Yeah. (laughs) I finished early in the morning, and I was just so so excited. Um, When I finished my first one, I had my family there, and that's typical. They have family and friends that show up at the finish to greet them. And other than that, there's hardly anybody, just maybe the race director and the timing people. Yeah. (laughs) So, putting together any event
0: like this is a huge task. Like, why? Why did you want to do this? And and what are the things that you didn't know prior to getting into this business of of wow. running a race? What do you wish you had known?
2: Oh, <laughs> and have you gotten yourself in too deep? You can't stop now. <laughs> I didn't realize how much work it was going to be, it, but. I didn't really care, I, I just knew I wanted to do it, and I figured I'd find a way, and that's the reason why I took two years to prepare for my first race, because I knew it was going to be a challenge to, to find the people, to run the aid stations and everything, and it would it would need some t- to take some time to get things together so that it would be a success. Um, and now it's grown to the point where I don't even know all the people that help out with the race. I, I meet people all the time that say, yeah, I helped at this aid station at, for the bear 100 and I go, oh yeah. I don't th- <laughs> and job, we didn't, thanks. we didn't meet until now and I, yeah. I helped at the, at
0: the end there. So, um, what does your team look like? I mean, it's grown so much, um, where the first race is, it, it was you, you know, getting it going, um, what does your team look like now? Like how, do, how is a race like this possible and who's involved?
2: Well, there are, like, about four key people that uh, are on the committee, the race committee. Um, they're over, they have different responsibilities. I'm the race director, and I I <clears throat> answer a lot of emails, and <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm checking my email all the time and, and taking care of runners' questions and stuff, and... Um, uh, get them what they need. They come to me when they have when they have needs. Um, <clears throat> and then there's Doug Garrett who is in charge of getting the permits, which there are quite a few of them that we have to get. And Especially working between states. Yeah. You have to work with both the state states, of Utah, permits, various cities. There's about eight different permits that we have to get for the race. You and have
0: to work with the Forest Service because you're running on Forest Service land as well.
2: Yeah, plus the BLM, plus Utah Trust Lands Administration, Cache County, Logan City, Bear Lake Regional Commission. Yeah, there's just all kinds of people that <laughs> want uh, a little piece of the pie. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so and so he takes care of that for me, which I'm very thankful for because that was a, the biggest headache for me. Um, that drove me crazy, getting the permits. And then um, Michelle Hansen has taken over the job. It used to be run by Wayne Moore, who did a great job of uh, – coordinating the aid station people and getting them all lined up mm-hmm. but Michelle Hansen took that job over last year and she did a great job with that. Um, Ron, Ron Stag is in charge of the trails so course marking of the trails for the race taking down the course markings he lines up people to do that and if any runners need need to do trail work which is a requirement for the race that's one reason they decided to let us have the race in utah is because we have a trail work requirement mm. runners have to work on trails or do volunteer service for an ultra that's in the mountains you know where they they need to do trail work or clean up or whatever mm. um so Ron's in charge of that. And he also helps line up people for aid stations. And and then my wife, she took over the job of uh, getting all the food ready for the aid stations. We uh, Most of the food yeah. we supply. And then the, the people that are doing the aid stations just come to our place and pick it up a day or two before the race. Which that was
0: eye-opening for me. I'd never thought about all the work that goes into just preparing the food because who knows what a runner wants at, you know, at mile 25 to 50 to 92, what do people want to eat over the course of the race? And it was really interesting to see what people wanted at the very end. Um, It's pretty surprising. Um, You know, what you think they might want, they don't want it all. Um, And we, I know we gave out a lot of cheese quesadillas and, warm chicken broth and a lot of them just didn't want to eat anything. They just wanted something warm and to keep going. So that's, that's a huge task and, and such an important part of the race as well. And then it just staffing, um, staffing the aid stations, how many people are involved at and how many aid stations are there throughout the race?
2: There are 13 aid stations along the course and it takes about six or eight people to run an aid station. And the later ones, it's such a long time period. Sometimes we have shift do shifts. Mm-hmm. Did you have? A, did you take over a yeah, shift? Yeah, we
0: took at, over at seven a.m. Yeah. and there was a night crew that was before us that yeah. that you know worked all night, and then we took over for them in the morning, and then stayed until four in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, so that's and ours was the final station. Ninety two is the last one. Yeah. So, um, what is um. How do how do you think the race has impacted the local community? What do you think the local community thinks about it? Especially maybe at the county level, just the public. Do you think the public knows that that this is
2: happening right in their backyard? Well, <clears throat> most people don't pay too much attention to it unless they're up there hunting or something, and we come in and we set up their our aid station right next to their hunting camp, and then they're upset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, people are going about doing their own thing and, you know, some people think it's really cool. I'm sure. And some people are a little annoyed by us. So we, we try and keep a low profile. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you don't need to advertise. Uh, No,
0: you've got enough. You've got enough people wanting to participate already. Um, how does this tie into the larger landscape of races? Are there qualifying races for for larger marathons, what, is, what, is that look like? or, yeah, what does that look like?
2: Well, there are so-called bigger events mm-hmm. that the Bear 100 is a qualifier for. Like uh, the Western States 100, it's one of the original four that uh, there were 400s that started up in the early days. And if you ran all four of them, you got uh, the grand, an award called the Grand Slam of ultra running. Mm and West, so Western States is is one of the oldest ones and most popular and people really wanna get in to run the Western States and you have to have a qualifier mm. and they've chosen the Bear 100 as one of the qualifiers to get into Western States. And then there's also a race over in Europe called the um, um, Mont de Blanc or something like that, uh, UTMB. Yeah, UTMB. It's also the Bear 100 is also a UTMB qualifier. Oh wow! So that I imagine that helps with recruiting. So you don't really
0: have to advertise because you have people who want to do these larger races. They have to come and participate in a race like this. Yeah. So where does that? You get around 300 people who are coming here. Where are they all coming from? Well, you probably get a variety. Yeah, we look in state, the- out of state, international.
2: We looked it up, and there were runners from 38 different states this last year that participated, and runners from 10 different countries. Wow. So they come from all over. Yeah.
0: What did they say when they – they? Uh, for a lot of people, it's probably their first time coming to Cache Valley. What do they say when they come and experience the mountains that we have? Well, what have you heard?
2: They're just so impressed by the beauty of the mountains, the colors, and – um yeah it's it's pretty unique to a lot of people how beautiful it is here
0: well what is the what's the future of the race look like i imagine you're always in the planning stages of the next one um as soon as you finish one you're on to the next i imagine what does that what does it look like for you moving forward
2: well as long as i'm healthy and you know I'm getting old, so I don't know. At some point, I I may have to find another person to to be the race director, but I I don't know how when that's going to happen. I think as long as I'm healthy and can do what I'm doing, I'll just keep going. And for you, you're going to run the next one. Sounds like <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> thinking. Okay, we don't want to commit you right here, but.
0: <laughs> well, I, it's an event that I, I found out about only a couple years ago and had wanted to participate on the aid station side of things and, and help out and, uh, incredible to see these amazing athletes go through what they do. Um, and, uh, to be just a small part of that was, was really fun for me to be able to help them at least get through a little bit more of the race and finish. Um, and I think this is, this is such a valuable asset to, to, northern utah to cache valley to idaho um glad that you decided to start something like this here in our backyard it really adds so much to the community and to the outdoor recreation industry as well so uh, how do people stay in touch and learn about the race um you know hear updates if people want to run in it how do we just how do we stay in touch
2: with you Um, Well, you can go to the Bear 100 website and contact me directly, or you can look it up on Facebook. Uh, That's very popular nowadays. There's all kinds of posts from people on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a runner's group, too, on, on Facebook, a Facebook group with all, you
0: know, former runners who are always sharing pictures and stories from the race. Yeah. Well, that's great. Leland, thanks for taking some time today. Um, again, appreciate all that you do and um, hope to see the race, you know, keep going on for years to come.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on highlanderbag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cash Valley.